Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. This is the final Sunday in our Kingdom Come series. Huge welcome if you've just joined us. We have spent the last couple of months actually thinking and exploring the Kingdom of God. This Kingdom not made up with physical boundaries, but is a people, a family that every one of us has been invited to belong to. And if we have chosen to open our hearts to the life-giving, life-changing presence of Jesus, we become part of this Kingdom. And today, to finish off this series, we are thinking about how it is a Kingdom of hope. I don't know if you have ever spent some time really thinking about that, reflecting upon that, but this is who we are. We are a people of hope. Hope runs in our DNA. Maybe as I say that you're thinking, yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly where I'm at. Or maybe you're thinking it sounds great, but actually I just don't have the energy to be hopeful right now. Maybe you're thinking, I just, I can't be hopeful because of the circumstances that I find myself in, or I'm not an optimist. You know, I'm a realist and there is too much going on in this world for me to actually feel hopeful. Maybe you're thinking it sounds great, but I I just don't know if I can even hold on to hope any longer. I imagine at some point we have all felt something along those lines. I get that. But we will stay there if we see hope as one more thing we must do or one must feel, one more feeling we must feel or the answer to every question we're asking about the reason for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That can be exhausting and disappointing. <coughs> Excuse me, when things don't work out as we want them to. But that's not what we're thinking about today. When we talk about the kingdom of hope, we are thinking about how the thread of hope is woven throughout the Bible. Hope has been present since before time began. And when this world as we know it ends and Jesus comes back and all is made new and there is no more suffering, no more death, no more pain, no more tears, we are told that hope will still remain. So why will we need hope when all is renewed? What is this hope that we are talking about today? Hope in the kingdom of God is not something we do. Hope is not simply a feeling of optimism that circumstances will work out um, as we want them to. It's not a formula that guarantees success. Hope is a gift that we are given in the form of the presence of God. God is hope. If nothing else existed in the world, there would be hope because God himself by himself is hope, which means that hope in the kingdom of God is not detached from the reality of this beautiful broken world, but hope is at the very midst in the very heart and center of it all. Hope does not get shaken when structures of society tremble. Hope does not put us to shame in the midst of our trouble. Hope reminds us that whatever we may be experiencing today, it is not the end, that there is an eternity where the true fullness of the kingdom of God will be lived. Hope anchors us and hope lifts our heads and leads us forward. 
I was at the wedding of a friend, of some friends a few years ago. Um, and I'm not sure if you know when you go to weddings and at your table setting, you're often given little favours um, in your place. It might be a little packet of sweets or whatever it is. Well, at this particular wedding, in our table places, they'd actually put packets of seeds um, as the little gift that they were giving everyone. And some people around the table, including, I will be honest, me, looked at these seeds and we thought, wow, this is amazing. What a great idea. That's such a lovely little gift to people. And we took the packet and we popped it in the bag that we'd taken to the wedding and that was basically it <laughs> and then the next time we came to go to the wedding we opened the ba- our wedding bag and we looked and we were like oh there's those seeds oh that was such a great idea there's some of the people who were at the table in the wedding and they looked at these packets of seeds and they thought or they said aloud, wow, what a great idea. I love this. And then they went home and they actually planted those seeds and they tended to them and they watered them and they cultivated them. And those seeds grew to be flowers that were bright and gorgeous and lovely and actually brought amazing memories of that wedding day back. Jesus often spoke about the kingdom of God in terms like this. He said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that even though it is the smallest seed, it grows to be a big plant. He said it's like seeds that the farmer scatters that yields crops abundant. He said it's like the small doses of yeast that puts in bread, that's put in bread to make it rise. He said it's like talents, money that when it's invested well, um, multiplies. In all of these descriptions and images that Jesus gave of the kingdom, there was something small that held the fullness and the potential and the reality of the kingdom that also needed to be tended to and cultivated and invested in. And when it was, it flourished and it grew and it benefited not only the original receiver but multitudes of others also. The fullness of the kingdom of God is given and is planted in our lives but because God doesn't control us we get to tend to it, to steward it, to invest in it, to cultivate it. Hope is a gift that we are given, we can't create it But we can decide whether we will look at the seeds of this kingdom and say, oh, hope, what a great idea, that's so lovely, and tuck it away in our pockets. Or if we will look at the seeds of this kingdom that we are given and we will say, wow, hope, God, would you help me to tend to this, to cultivate it, to invest in it, so that not only will it be a blessing in my life, but it will also be a blessing to those around me. Would you help me care for this kingdom that you have invited me into? Honestly, cultivating the kingdom of God in our lives is a gift, but it is also work. We are told to work out our own salvation. Sometimes gardening is hard work but what a gift a well-tended garden is to the world what a gift a well-tended life is to the world so what are the habits of hope to tend to in our lives not simply so that we can try and conjure up feelings of hopelessness but actually so the kingdom of God can flourish and grow within us so that we can be a blessing of others to others. Well, we're going to read a few verses found in Romans chapter 5, and then we're going to pull three ideas out of this of habits of hope for us to tend to. Romans chapter 5 says this, 
Therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand. And we, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, produce character, produce hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Three habits of hope to tend to. We, this passage is obviously so rich and we could say so much, but we're just going to pull out three things today. Number one, tend to truth. In order for hope to take root in our lives, tend to truth kingdom truth, truth about who God is and who we are. Romans 5 puts it like this, boast in the hope of the glory of God. And this word boast here um, means lifting our heads. It's a God-given confidence and it means seeing and then walking from this vantage point in life. Paul is writing in this whole book of Romans in the chapters preceding, he's saying, look, if you're going to boast in anything, boast about this, boast about the confidence that we have in the kingdom of God, that we can't earn it, that we can't work our way into it, that we don't get to decide who's in or who's out. We can't never make ourselves good enough for it, but we receive it as a gift, a gift of God, which means that we also receive the culture of it. We don't get to decide the culture of the kingdom of God. It is already set. So tend to the truth of what God has given us. Everything we need to know about the kingdom is in the Bible. So here's just some tips. Learn the Bible. Learn the Bible, learn verses, learn chapters, learn books of the Bible, so that actually when lies and other things will come to take root in our lives, we know what to tend to, we know what to uproot, we know what to tend to and cultivate in our lives. Here's some truths about the kingdom of God, about who God is and who we are. They're not cliches, but they're actually things to to live by, markers that mark our path through life, helping us to respond to circumstances, to understand, have some insight and wisdom and understanding, to actually be able to see from a kingdom perspective the lives that we are living, both for ourselves and for each other. Sometimes we need each other to be able to help us see from a kingdom perspective. This is what the Bible says, in the beginning was God. In the beginning was God. God is the shepherd who restores our souls. God is the one who knows what we need. God says, ask me for wisdom and I will give it. There is wisdom, there is insight, there is understanding. Search for it like treasure and you will find it. Seek me with all your heart, says God, and you will find me. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now you go and be lights shining in this darkness. Forgive others and God will forgive you. You've received the spirit of God that is able to do so much more than you can ask or imagine. It's not by power, it's not by our own might, but it's by the spirit of God that we live this kingdom life. You are loved with an everlasting love and nothing, absolutely nothing that happens in this world will be able to separate you from that love. 
If you need wisdom, ask for it. God is compassionate and slow to anger, so walk justly and love mercy. Tend to the truth of the kingdom of God. Watch what goes in. I've become so aware lately, even more so than normal maybe, of just what I am watching and reading and what I am tending to in my life. Maybe just take inventory of what we're tending to. What truths are we choosing to live by? Learn from the wisdom of others. No one is perfect. No one will always get it right. But there are others that are further down the road from us that we can learn from. Ask questions. Start conversations. Tend to the truth of the kingdom that we are part of. Number two, tend to suffering. Tend to suffering in our own lives and in the lives of others. Maybe you're thinking, what do you mean tend to suffering? I don't want to grow suffering in my life. I don't want to grow it in mine either. But the truth is we will all suffer, whether we are suffering today or whether we suffer tomorrow. Jesus has already given us the heads up on this one. He said, listen, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Even though you will know trouble in this world, I have overcome it, which means that... we actually get to understand something of the ways of this way the world works. And if we don't tend to suffering, if we don't treat it carefully, if we don't nurture it and watch over it, then it can actually take over our lives in ways that it was never meant to. If we don't tend to it, it can lead to bitterness or unforgiveness or prolonged feelings of guilt or regret that can be overwhelming or debilitating. Our chapter in Romans talks about tending to suffering like this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. Did you hear that? Suffering produces hope. Or does it? That's not exactly what the passage says. Suffering by itself will not necessarily produce hope in our lives. In fact, suffering by itself can in fact lead to hopelessness. But the verse says we glory and it's the same idea of boasting and of living from a godly perspective in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces And the word suffering here means to be pressed in, to be pressed upon, to be oppressed, to be confined. And this can range from everyday things in our life that can be a pressure upon us to life-defining moments of grief and everything else in between. To glory, to rejoice, to to live from a God-given perspective in our sufferings is something that is echoed throughout the whole of the New Testament. So what does it mean? What does this actually look like? Well, first of all, let's just talk about what it isn't, what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean denial of the reality of our lives. It doesn't mean a grin and bear it and look how much I can handle attitude. It doesn't mean reveling in the misery of our lives. It doesn't mean giving pat, cliche answers to those of us who are struggling or trying to protect ourselves from the realities of a suffering world. Nowhere in the Bible does God either model or tell us to pretend all that is well all is well and it will be just by pretending that the world isn't in trouble. He never does that. 
He never says, if you do that, then trouble won't touch you. That's not the God we know. If that was the God of the Bible, he never would have seen his people, the Israelites, enslaved, suffering, and called Moses to go and lead them out of this to freedom in the promised land. God would never have seen Esther, who'd been taken into the harem of the king and actually empowered her to speak to this king and save her people. If this was the God we know, Jesus would never have come to earth and entered into our suffering, become human. Jesus would never have sat and wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus before he raised him to death. Jesus would never have gone to the cross, literally taking on the suffering and the pain and the brokenness of the world and then overcoming it and coming back to life again. Denial of the reality of suffering in our lives or in our world does not produce hope. In fact, I think it can produce fear, a fear of suffering, a fear that maybe God won't be who we thought that he was, or a fear that what we've built our lives upon won't actually hold us, or a fear that we won't be in control any longer and we must stay in control if we are not going to suffer. So what does this hope mean? What, can, what do we do to actually allow suffering in our lives to produce hope? Why should we rejoice? Why should we live from a God-given perspective in our sufferings? How do we tend to it so that it produces hope? Think of a spiral staircase. When we're walking up a spiral staircase, we are going round in circles, but we are not returning to the same place. This is what God has invited us to as we live life in the kingdom. And for those of us who are suffering, it might feel that we are just going round and round and round in circles and we aren't actually moving forwards. And just as an aside, if that is where we are at, we have a course at church called the Steps Course. It will be starting again in January and it is exactly for that. If we feel like we are stuck in cycles of behavior, Steps, January, check it out. What God more imagines, I think, is this image of a spiral staircase that yes, we are going round in life, but we are starting in hope and we are returning to hope, but not as the same person. We tend to the truth of the kingdom and we set out in life, we encounter suffering, but we also experience the perseverance that God gives us, the strength in our suffering. God actually is able to somehow meet us in the most tender and real ways. He's also able to actually expose and, and purify and help us to see life in a very different way, a way that actually changes us. So that as where he gives us the strength to persevere daily, whether it's hour by hour or day by day, week by week through whatever it is we're walking through, he's actually shaping and refining our character. He's increasing our capacity so that we continue to walk and that we are actually encountering more hope and then we've probably lived life long enough to know that we never just run this cycle once, but we return again, probably at some point in another way to suffering. And as we do, we actually know, we remember who God was and we know that he will meet us again, however he sees fit in this circumstance. And we are being further refined. We are being further matured as people so that more of his character, his nature is developed in us. And we again return to hope. It's this cycle that is running, um, that we 
we are experiencing. Psalm 84 encourages us to set our hearts on pilgrimage, to see life as this journey that we are walking through. And in this journey, we will encounter the mountaintops and we will also encounter the valleys. But in Psalm 84, it also says that even the valley of despair, the valley of tears can be springs of hope because of who God is. Where in other parts of the Bible, it talks actually about even the valley becoming a doorway to hope. We glory in our sufferings. We live from this God-given perspective because we know that even if we don't get the answer to every question, even if we don't get the explanation this side of eternity, we aren't just going around in circles on our own, but there is a God of hope who is with us who has promised to bring good out of every oppression, every pressure, every season of confinement that we find ourselves in, if we allow him to meet us in that place. Do we look for suffering? No. Do we desire it? No. None of us want to suffer. But do we trust that even in our suffering, God will help us live from a perspective of the kingdom of heaven so that hope can be produced? Yes. And hope not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. So often, seasons of suffering can be turned around to become the preparation for compassion and empathy that can actually help us to serve others throughout time and history this has happened as people have created art that brings beauty out of pain or people have actually started um, acts of service they've started to serve their neighbors they've created kingdom projects because they've recognized that out of their own pain hope has come that can be used to plant seeds of hope in the lives of others Joe Saxton says this, hope still wins, but it often has a tear-stained face. It has a vulnerable heart. It has bloodied fists because it keeps on fighting. It has scraped knees because it keeps crawling forward. It's sweaty. Hope is not necessarily pretty, but you always want hope on your side because hope will fight for you. Hope will fight for the hardest parts of your life. Tend to the truth of the kingdom, tend to suffering, and finally tend to friendship. Tend to friendship with God, with others. These first eight chapters in Romans, which are verses sit in the middle of, are also all about the gift of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit brings into our lives, how the Holy Spirit is our helper. And he speaks to us and reminds us that we are children of God. It says this, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Taking the time to connect with God in friendship and with each other keeps us awake to this love that has been poured within us. It keeps us hopeful. Don't disconnect anything, our great times and our hardest times from friendship with him. He's in it all, he knows it all, he walks with us through it all. Maybe ask ourselves some questions. When was the last time I spent time with God just to be his friend? 
maybe for some of us that's going for a walk in the park and seeing the beauty and just thanking him for it. Maybe it's creating some time to put some music on and just worship him. Maybe it's going for a bike ride with our family and giving it thanks. Maybe it's turning the kitchen to a dance floor and giving thanks. Maybe it's creating for the joy of it and giving thanks. Maybe it's calling a friend and having a heart to heart or a dream and scheme conversation, giving thanks. Maybe it's having a games night and giving thanks. Maybe it's surprising someone with a gift and giving thanks. Maybe it's actually allowing God to help us to be friends to others. Often when we take our eyes off our circumstances, we're so mindful of how God can help us be friends to others. When was the last time we were just maybe with friends and just had a great big laugh and gave thanks? The habits of hope that we tend to in our every day of our lives will set us up for the seasons of our lives. And I want to finish with this. It is December the 6th. We are in the beginning of the season of Advent when we remember that Jesus came to earth as a baby and all that that brought as he fully entered into our humanity. But it's also a time when we know that we are in this tension. Hope, this word hope in the Bible is about waiting and longing and the tension that we are held within that Jesus has come. He has brought the kingdom, but it is not yet the end. We know that there is a day coming when all will be made new, when there will be no more tears, no more suffering and no more death. And we wait and we hope and we long for that day. Jeremy Begley says that we don't hope in the future or for the future, but we hope from the future. And so as we live in these moments, we pull everything from the future that we know that we are going to. When Jesus, who calls the church his bride, says we are invited to the biggest wedding banquet feast ever. And as we are here, knowing with the seeds of the kingdom in our lives, cultivating and tending to it, we know it's because there is one day coming when all hope will be fulfilled. Hope will not put us to shame. Let us worship Jesus Christ, our living hope. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.